Welcome to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm your host, Bo Henderson, and you're here at the one place committed to highlighting our local businesses and the people behind them. I'm here with co-host Joy Whitlow. Uh, Joy, let's talk a little bit. We had a lot of fun this weekend. We were live on location out of the Amped Kids fundraiser out at Left Nut Brewery. It was an amazing event. Uh, so much community involvement, a lot of families, a lot of individuals. And I will say that I learned something that is very important What's this that? past weekend. I learned the rules of cornhole. Yeah, I had no idea that the sport of cornhole could be so serious. We had we had uniforms. We had sponsors out. It, it was, was a serious game. It was um, it was very intense. It was it was wonderful though. I mean, it was great. Lots of people came out, and boy, they came in, and it they came in like a force. That's right. So so not only the the exciting competitive cornhole tournament, we raised money for, with Amped Kids, which I think our friend April Rooks does a great job in helping foster kids in our community get access to instruments and music lessons. Because for some of those people, some of those kids, they don't have an outlet, and this might be game changer. It's a huge game changer. Um, I I know I spoke with April uh, for a few minutes because she was obviously very busy, but I spoke with her for a few minutes on Saturday, and she just expressed, you you could feel her passion for the the kids in the foster system at this point and not just that but giving them that outlet having them you know having something that they can provide music lessons and not just music but also vocal lessons a lot of other things that they're you know empowering these kids in where sometimes they may not feel like they have a lot of hope well and there's data behind it too and that a lot of these kids they're more likely, if they're involved in something like music, they're more likely to graduate high school. They're more likely to get a better job, avoid abusive um, violence. I mean, a lot of statistics that show what a good thing. So all this to say is that a lot of our business owners and people in our community that we highlight, they do a lot of good things in the community, too. And today's guests are no exception. Oh, who do we have lined up for today, Let's though? talk about it. So first, we're going to talk with Rich Bartolotta with Schooly Mitchell. So welcome to the show, Rich. Thanks, Bo. I appreciate being here. Well, you might can tell we're, we're going to have fun. We're going to talk some business, and we want to get to know a little bit more about you. But first, let's do like a 10,000-foot overview of Schooly Mitchell and what, what's going on there. Sure. So uh, Schooly Mitchell was founded by Dennis Schooley. He was a CPA business owner up in Toronto, Canada. And he was going through his P&L statement at the end of the year and noticed he was spending a lot of money on his telecom expense. So he dug in and identified a bunch of ways to save money on that, then did the same thing for his other clients and then had a thought, you know what, I think there's a better business doing expense reduction for a whole bunch of businesses in the area than just a handful of them. So fast forward to today, we have uh, about 120 offices and we've saved clients over 340 million. And we've expanded from telecom to now credit card fees, small package shipping and waste removal. So we, we specialize in expense reduction in those four categories and that's all we do exclusively. But that means that um, we're pretty good at finding those clients the opportunity to save money. Well, and let's talk about, you know, this is fascinating to me, the path to get to doing this today. Was there was there some experience in leadership, business management, or something where you saw this firsthand? Well, you know, I'm a former CFO. So I, you know, I, I think as a CFO, you're dealing with a lot of different aspects of a business, right? First and foremost, you're trying to support the company to grow the top line. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, equally important is focusing and having kind of a good way to manage expense reduction. And to me, this was, you know, a good fit for me as I transitioned from a corporate CFO role to being my own business owner operator. And I, I like the fact that I can take the experience I've had from 30 some odd years in large corporations, starting with IBM and applying it now to helping small to mid-sized businesses save money and, and get some good profitability improvement. Well, and for our listeners, let's do, we had a little bit of this conversation before the show, but is if there's somebody listening with their business saying, you know what, hey, if somebody could help me figure this out, negotiate this, take this off of my plate, who is that ideal client that, that you really feel you serve the best? You know, there's there's not one particular industry that we find better outcomes than others, but you know, having said that, I think small businesses with, you know, 20 to 200 people tend to be a good spot for us. I think they're large enough to have some meaningful spending in those categories. And oftentimes they don't necessarily have maybe the internal skills and resources or time to necessarily extract the most savings. So that's what we can bring to the table, right? Because having done this for I guess it's about 20,000 clients now across our system. You know, when we call up and negotiate credit card rates for, you know, Bose company, we're, we're bringing all of that experience and knowledge and negotiating power as opposed to you as an individual owner operator maybe calling up and, you know, you're going to get the rates that you're going to get. So you have some, some power behind the brand. Significant there. amount of power. That's yep. excellent. I like the fact that you were talking about um, kind of the smaller businesses that um, not necessarily that you target, but uh, it ties in with so much that we do here on this show is because those people probably don't even have the time to do it as well. And they're just constantly writing checks and trying to get back to what they know as a business owner and how they run their business. So this, this is a huge asset. How do you market to those people? You know, a lot of it is through networking and relationships. Um, you, you know, I think um, there are some aspects of telemarketing, but this, at the end of the day, people have to feel comfortable with you and trust you, right? Because you're going to, they're going to open up parts of their financials to you, right? So they, so for me, the best um, leads, for lack of a better word, are through networking and you know, referral partners. And I've generated a lot of business through that, through the Chamber of Commerce down in Gwinnett County. I mean, I'm very active in that. Um, and, you know, you just meet people. I mean, there's, I've been to networking events, Joy, where, you know, been there for two years, talk the same 30 second thing for two years. And finally, somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, wait a minute, that's what you do. I didn't <laughs> realize that. And, you know, fast forward, you save them $20,000 and yeah. your new best friend. So. That's a pretty good light bulb yeah. over the head. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to be consistent with it and, and uh, hang in. Well, I think we've been hitting this uh, a lot, but this idea of what, what about that person or business owner that um, says they want to go it alone? Now, we talked about the, the purchasing power, negotiating power. And Joy was bringing up this idea of, hey, maybe that keeps me out of my sweet spot or zone of genius, so to speak, to be worrying about these things. Any other things, Rich, that you see um, that might come up for that person that says, you know what, maybe I can do this alone? That yeah, and, you know, it's it, it's a great question. I, I think the questions I come back to them with in a polite way is, you know, well, what 
software and tools do you have to efficiently analyze your spending relative to the marketplace, right? So let's take credit card fees as an example. There are, you know, hundreds of fee structures for credit cards, right? So we're going to take all that data and, and load it in our software and look at what's the optimal plan for that client to be on that's going to give them the optimal savings. So I think we can do it a little bit more efficiently. And then the negotiating power, again, if you're calling up and you know your company is a $10 million company, you're going to get rates um, you know, that they feel are competitive for your business. Whereas oftentimes when we call, we're going to get stuff that's pretty close to wholesale rates for our clients. Um, you know, that's some of it. And then the other thing is the ongoing management of it. So we're not just a one and done shop. So when we save the client money, we monitor their expenses on a monthly basis to make sure they've been billed accurately. And there are billing errors that do happen and there are rate increases, right? So vendors will give you a great rate now and then in six months start to have it creep back up. That's when we go back in and, and you know, push for those to be reversed to get refunds issued. So we're sort of like their vendor watchdog and then they can take their team's time and energy and focus on what they do best, which is running their business and let somebody manage these categories for them, which is what we do best. So I think it works out well. So that's something that part of the service, if, if there's a better financial situation that comes along two years down the road, you're going to help them Absolutely. navigate that. Yep. And, so, and the other thing is, let's just say they're happy with a provider, right? So, you know, they're with AT&T on wireless. They love AT&T. And a year later, AT&T does something that really annoys them and they want to look at other vendors, right? They can come to us and we'll, we'll go out and shop their business in the market and come back and say, here's what we can do with Verizon or T-Mobile or Sprint. So um, there's a key element is, is that ongoing management with that. Well, that, that's such a disconnect from what we see in most sales professions where it's, we'll sell. And then maybe you need something else. We can sell something else. We'll come back. But we're yeah. actually here to, we're getting paid to help you save money. I love that approach. And, and let's talk about that. I know one of the questions um, that comes up is, how do I get paid? Is, is, there, is there a unique scenario there? Or how do you go about you know, explaining I, it's, that? It's a, it's a simple model. We share the savings equally for a period of time. And, you know, that's it. So if you're an owner and you think you've got really competitive rates, that's fine. You know, let us take a look for you and one of two outcomes, right? We're either going to come back and tell you, you know what, you do have competitive rates. Congratulations. You're one in 10 in the industry. But for the other nine, I'm going to come back and tell you we've identified an opportunity for save money. And then if you take advantage of that, we're just going to share that savings over the life of the contract. Well, one of the things that, that I was also, as, as we were talking through this, do you see a disconnect with business owners or the people making decisions, executives, between what a little, what the impact of a little bit of savings maybe today over the month, the year, and years? You know, yes. And, and um, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, like when business is booming, people spend less time on expense, right? When there's a downturn, people all of a sudden start sharpening the pencil and bringing the accountant in to understand where they can save. But, you know, I've got a great uh, number of clients in pest control, um, home inspection industries. And, you know, one of the first ones that I worked with, you know, we identified 40,000 in savings for them annually. And 
they only had one credit card company option that fully integrated with the software they used to run their business. So they couldn't switch. And we still found them $40,000. And I remember the owner going, you know, I've been with them for 10 years. Well, you do the math. You left $400,000 on the table over that 10-year period. So just by having better information or better resources yeah, in this case. Exactly. Exactly. I'm telling you, I, I this it blows my mind because to hear those numbers as, you know, for a business owner, that has to be almost kind of deflating. But then you have to turn them around and say, but look at what you can do from here on out. Well, what you can do with with that money and, you know, to reinvest in your business, help your employees. But the other, you know, the other question he asked me, because I remember he was hesitating and I'm like, well, you obviously have a question. And he asked the question you asked earlier, Bo, which is, could I have done this on my own? And I said to him, well, okay, I have a house. If I hear something running around in the attic, I can go up there <laughs> and I can try to figure out what it is and where it came in and what I knew to get it out of the house, right? But I can call you as a pest control owner, and you'll come in and and probably do that a hundred times better than I can do it as an individual. Well, the reverse is true for him in that case, right? You can go out and call your provider, but if you say, "Hey, I think I need more competitive credit card rates," and they say, "Well, you know what? You're right. I'm going to give you a seven percent reduction," you may go, "That's pretty good. Thank yeah. you, right?" But I can get you a forty-five percent reduction, right? So. So it's all, to me, it's all about, you know, putting your time and energy into what you as a business do best and let others come in and help you where that's not core to your business. And for most of these folks, these categories are not really the core of what they do. They they need telecom, right? Everybody does. They need credit cards in most businesses. They may ship FedEx packages around you can help them save money on that, and they need somebody to come pick up the garbage. So, But that's not the core of what a manufacturing company does, right? They put together products and ship them. And so we just kind of we help them make gains on the margin. Well, one of the things that came up was you spent eight years, Rich, working in Japan. I did. Any lessons there that, that – translate to business and what you're doing today probably a whole other show but i would say you know the 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 biggest thing to me going to japan um you know at the time i was a cfo for a a business unit in ibm and you know just the premium that the japanese business people put on building a relationship before you get to a transaction And, and we say that in the united states but i mean you and i can meet and you know next week we'll be trying to figure out ways to really together. move together and do business quick. They, they take a lot more time and really make sure they're comfortable with the person that they're going to get into a business relationship with, um, you know, over an extended period of time. And I think that re- relationship building builds trust. And then, you know, when your relationship hits maybe a bump in the road, you can draw on that deep relationship to kind of get through it. I think in the United States, we tend to be, you know, much more aggressive and much more transactionally focused. Um, So I would say that is probably one of the biggest differences that I experienced. And what's funny, I I think you're, from my industry, from what I see in a lot of industries, I think you're exactly right. There's a transactional focus, but I also know the consumer really is hungry for that relationship focus. 
So, so maybe there's a disconnect there, and maybe there's something we all can learn. Yeah, I would agree. All right, now, here's the whole thing. You, we've talked a lot about community. You just talked about building these relationships and, you know, what you've learned from, you know, your years overseas. How, how do you incorporate that here, like your engagement to the local community where you are and things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of the, the best things for me transitioning um, from sort of corporate America and a CFO role into my own business owner operator was being able to spend more time in the community. Um, you can say it as a CFO, but your, your priorities kind of get determined by the business issues that come up. But I, I, I like to get involved in a lot of different things. I'm involved in Gwinnett County Rotary um, for the past few years that I've had my own business, heavily involved in the chamber, which, you know, Gwinnett is, I think, really blessed with one of the best chambers in the United States and just a lot of, um, you know, business relationships there, but a lot of good work that we do in the community. I'm an ambassador there. I'm on the board of directors there. I'm involved with uh, a friend of mine, uh, David Post, uh, has an organization, Care for Cops, that helps, uh, provides immediate financial assistance to Georgia law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. So, you know, these are some of the areas that I like to get involved in, but I, I do like having my own business gives me the flexibility to get a lot more involved in that than I did before. Wow. Well, I know, Rich, we appreciate hearing what sometimes we don't, we don't know about it or it's not frontline, but we hear, we love hearing the, the, that, that we're giving back in the community. A lot of our communities are run when we look at it by our local business owners and the people, people out there kind of on the front end with a service or business, but they're making things go. But beyond business, what in the world do you do for fun if you have time? <laughs> You know, I like to golf, although I'm, I'm I, you know, despite the years at it, I, I am still haven't figured it out. Maybe that's the uh, the thing I like about golf so much is, uh, you know, this is always a new challenge. And a couple of years ago, I started, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of um, Krav Maga, but it's oh, uh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Israeli. Yeah. So I'm, I'm coming up on two years in that. And I'll tell you. Um, you know, for an old and flexible guy, that's not exactly the most coordinated. It it has been really um, a lot of fun just stretching yourself um, mentally and physically that you can do a lot, a lot more than you probably think um, when you started out. So I just tested for my basic blue belt. So I've got you know, a couple more years if I don't die doing this to try to get <laughs> to a brown belt or a black belt. But uh, I was going to say, ooh, that's a blue belt. I mean, I'm, I'm Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, there you go. And so yeah. Krav Maga is, is not, it's not, fun. not too terribly far, but that's awesome. That's yeah, amazing. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. You break it down 90 days at a time. You know, <laughs> just go in and do it 90 days at a time and eventually look back and you've actually done something. So. Absolutely. Wow. And somebody jumps you in an alley you got some skills you can protect yourself i like it well, well, well yeah. ritz some um somebody's listening today and they're they're saying you know what i could probably use some analysis I, i'm a, i'm a, i'm guessing it's a, cons, a consultative kind of approach that you would do is kind of what's going on let's dig in where do they find out more should it be a website should they call you what do you think is the best you know way? i think the easiest thing i mean if you want to post the website on the program, that's fine. But, you know, they can just give me a call at 678-436-5740. And that's probably the 
quickest and easiest way. All right. And let's see if we can save some money. And then it can be like, like Rich was saying, it can be infused in other staff and growing and marketing, other things to grow your business. So love it. Thanks so much for spending some time with us on North Georgia Business Radio X, Rich. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. All right. Joy? All right. We got one more. We have one more. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, this gentleman and his wife on Saturday at our um, event. And so we want to welcome um, from Homestar Financial Corporation, Jay Millwood. So welcome, Jay. Nice to have you in. Thank you so much for having me. It's Yeah, really good to see you again. Well, let's jump right off. Kind of the same question I asked Rich. Let's talk about the the big picture view of, of Homestar, what's going on, what you guys are, are doing now, and then we'll dig in a little deeper. But I, I have to say, as we start this conversation, um, I was I was talking with Wes years ago, and there might have been maybe half a dozen, 10 employees, and I think it's grown a little bit since then, but you can fill yeah. us in. Yes. Um, the number of employees is, I don't know, over 800 at this stage. <laughs> right. Um, this company, as you mentioned, Wes, Wes Hunt, um, that he started, um, on, on Jesse Jewel Parkway has grown to eclipse, even quicken loans. We close more home loans in the state of Georgia than anyone else. Is there any bank that you want to name any? It's, it's amazing to me it blows me away to know that uh he and i sat on hunt street which is about four blocks away from where we are right now and um that was in the 90s he um the reason that the company has done what it has done is because of his heart and soul and he is a local homegrown true superstar it really it blows me away we've gotten he just sent out a little report yesterday about this is the company production, and here's some of the top folks that, that did some stuff for us. And $165 million of loans were produced through this company in Gainesville, Georgia. Wow. That 845 loans closed. A lot of those, most of those were home purchases. So I would say probably in the neighborhood of 70 to 80% of those are more because we don't do very much refinance even in this market. Um, the, over 800 people got new homes because of this company in Gainesville, Georgia. I mean, I was just impressed when he, when he said, hey, come check out, uh, I'm going to buy the gym of 36. I said, how can can people own the gym? <laughs> he said, yeah, uh, Mr. Walters already owns it and I'm going to buy it. And I was like, wow, my friend owns the gym of 36. Right. And then like two years later, it wasn't big enough. And, and I mean, it's just, it just, it blows me away. It's, I'm so excited to, when I reminisce on where he was and where I was and, and all the people that he has touched, um, the the just a million, a million of million lives that because of his decisions and his processes, it's and it's uh, it's heart and soul and and a lot of intelligence. Well, it's quite a vision, and and just to see, like you said, a local business hit that level—that's really that's really huge. Yeah. So, Jay, how did you? Uh, 
I don't know. Maybe you, when little Jay was running around, you said, I want to do mortgages when I grow up. I don't know. But what was the path to get there? How did, how did you get here? Oh, boy. Um, my mother was a real estate agent Okay. for, um, at the time that I got my real estate license in 91, I was 19 years old and, um, my mother had already been a real estate agent for close to 30 years at that stage. So, uh, I grew up in the real estate industry. Wes Hunt was, a um, an office manager for one of her century 21 offices oh, wow. at one time. Um, he and I sold real estate together briefly um, before he moved on to to do mortgages and um, a local mortgage superstar named Wendell Couch uh, that was working for First National Bank for a while and and then began working for what became Wells Fargo um, Norwest uh, brought Wes on board to be a loan officer and he gave him the FHA manual what, what I refer to as the money Bible and he said if you'll read this three times you'll make more money than you could ever imagine next next year. And Wes said he was right. <laughs> and so eventually Wes opened up his own branch and collected me from the real estate industry as a real estate agent. And um, at Wes's, I'm sorry, it kind of makes me tear up thinking about this because I, I see myself, and he and I, at his kitchen table uh, off of Clarksbridge Road. He was teaching me how to do mortgages the same way that he learned it. And um, that was in uh, 96. So in 1996, I took on an internship and learned from who became the man that became the man that became Wes Hunt, <laughs> the man that became the man that owns the gym of 36. And that's not enough. And that's not big enough. I mean, so uh, the lineage that I come from, I'm very proud of. And um, I'm so proud. Again, it makes me tear up right now thinking about the the compassion right. that these men that are in this industry, yeah, it's a business. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's pure business. And when it comes to being competitive, that we have to be competitive. And the heart and soul, though, comes from the compassion of the consumers, the, con the clients, the friends, the family that want to own a home, and the real estate agents that, that want them to own a home and desperately need to make their own house payments and their own car payments and and how it's just grown organically out of the heart and soul that, that Wes has and that other men have had before me and we talked earlier about transactions mm -hmm. a lot of I think a lot of people have an idea that real estate that whole that whole buying a house selling a house the mortgage part it's a transactional business but how in the, and there's a lot of companies out there involved there's a lot of mortgage companies yeah so what is it you would say if somebody's out there saying hey this this is I'm in this this period of life where I have this event looking to buy sell a house. Um, mm -hmm. Why Homestar? What what makes Homestar number one? There's got to be something for this this local company to be chosen over everybody else because there are a lot of people out there doing this. Right. Yeah. The heartbeat and the infrastructure and the the path to get to where we're going is transactional, and the passing of documents back and forth and the signing and the e-signing of things it's all transactional and when it comes down to um, gray areas of, of understanding guidelines and the risk management that the lenders have to put themselves through to maintain stability uh, all of these little inner working things and the cogs in the wheel 
it's the grease between the cogs it's the care it's the loan officer like myself that calls the head of underwriting and says these people have a u-haul out in the yard is there any way that we could possibly bump this up for 10 or 15 minutes sooner because if we don't they have to wait till next monday and somebody hears that and the the culture of what wes has built with we're going to serve the real estate agents because they they get to the people that want to buy a house sooner so let's service and serve the real estate agents as best we can by serving the clients that they bring to us and treating them the way that you would want your brother or sister or yourself treated. Well, and you brought up something key. Uh, we are helping the the end user, the, the consumer, so to speak, mm-hmm. but you're really in the business of creating a core group of real estate agents that are so thrilled about working with you that they repeat and Absolutely. repeat and repeat. Absolutely. So what have you found in this market, especially North Georgia, which is what we're kind of focusing on for these for the show, um, what do you find about agents here in, in the community? Is yeah. It? So um, the um, the road trip that I took to Japan, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so was it you too? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, it was amazing that like what Rich was saying about um, the personal level. You know, if I if I receive a referral from a real estate agent and I close it on time, that's a transactional thing. And when it when the rubber meets the road and when something happens, when the the owner of the property doesn't really own the property because they didn't go through the right probate, when there's bank statements that have some odd deposits on it and things like that. And the relationship that I have with the real estate agent because because of the compassion, because of the uh, a relationship that's built on more than, Hey, I can uh, I can do this business better for you. It's not just that. It's uh, it's a it's a look in the eye. It's a pat on the back. It's the handshake. It's the how are your kids doing? You know, you know that kind of thing. It's 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 family, and you know it's it's all the things that um, uh, that we would have learned in salesman school, you know. But it's when it's put to the heart. And when it really matters is when it really connects, and that's that's what happens. Well, it sounds like you guys do a really good job of becoming actual extensions of the agents' teams. Oh, absolutely. As opposed to, because I've heard some agents fuss about their their mortgage relationships, sure. but it sounds like you guys are like almost feels like an in-house part of the team. Yes, if um, and you know uh, that's the key is that one reason that Homestar is successful is because of the culture and the most successful loan officers are the ones that live the culture and so not only not only uh, grab a hold of what the culture is but also influence that culture even more and stretch it out so there are so many there's just tons of loan officers that work for homestar tons of loan officers work for for any different mortgage lending service the personal relationship for the individual loan officer and the relationship between them and the real estate agents that like to use them is really the that's that's when the transactional part of it starts to work fluidly and when everybody's open and honest when you have experienced real estate agents using experienced loan officers that's when the magic works and that's when things like people that never dreamed they could ever own a home 
the real estate agent that knows there is a loan officer on their team that has done miracles in the past, and I bet they can for you too. So let's go try it. And as it gets exciting, it really does. And I know there's some great stories, um, meaning sometimes it's not the biggest per- the biggest sale, biggest purchase, but there's some stories that I know you hear about literally that person that maybe never had a home oh, boy. that gets that home or never thought they could, and you mm-hmm. see you're that family. So I know there's some rewarding, and I can just tell from talking to you that that's part of it. I mean, oh, it's great to, the business to be yes. good, be successful, but did we change that person's life? And, and in the retirement business I do, a lot of times it's not those sexiest, biggest number stories. Right. They're the ones that change somebody's life. Right. Absolutely. I will say this. Um, I Because I like the fact that we're building relationships. This is what I love about this show. This is what I love about our community. Um, and, you know, anyone listening, we all get to learn something. Because sometimes, you know, all we think about is the real estate agent. Sometimes we don't think about the mortgage lender, but like, what did, what are some of the, like, what do you have to have? Like for a loan approval, what are some of these elements that you're, you know, like a, a, a checkbox, mm-hmm. a checklist, yeah. like, what do I need? So it, probably the, the funnest way for me to answer that question is to uh, illustrate a conversation that I have. Hey, this is Jay. Your real estate agent said you want to buy a house. Yes, I do. Awesome. Where do you work? So I begin the conversation with, we need to have some source of income. And typically, it's with a job. Sometimes it's Social Security. Sometimes it's annuities. It's, you know, different things like that. Um, and so as I ask the question about the job, we're talking about work history. we got to have uh, two years of working somewhere, anywhere. So if you if you've been doing something with less than six month job gaps. It's like amazing at how many little intricate things I have to throw in there, but I have to I have to start that off because if if you work, you pr- you can probably buy your own home eventually, whether it's the right now or later. So job history, um, having some source of taxable income, um, or at least income that's reported to the IRS that we work through, um, and then um, have you don't even have to have great credit as a matter of fact you don't even have to have very good credit sometimes uh we literally go down to 580 credit scores i i've closed loans in the last three months with a 580 and a 587 middle credit score using standard fha financing so um that's you know the pricing's more expensive sure but for the client that was in that stage of their life and and some things had tripped them up and uh, it was worthwhile for them to grab a hold of what they could get right now, and then I could help them with a to improve the credit scores for later if they want to try to save some money later with it. So, yeah. well, along with that, any other advice, Jay? With hey, this is coming up. We have this event, mm-hmm. this house um, to show up prepared. Does oh, it, yeah. any, a few things I could I could be pulling together before we have our first conversation, or absolutely, let's be proactive. Right, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> the most important thing is that you get in touch with me. I mean, if you, if you want to do a mortgage, you want somebody that helps you and cares, uh, I, as soon as the thought goes through your mind, I think I want to buy a house. You're already pre-qualified for me to call you. <laughs> so, um, it's the, it's where, because there's so much of 
what can I do? What should I do? What can I not do? How can I prepare for it? Um, I, an interesting uh, a phrase that goes through my head for some reason is, um, you know, when somebody says, uh, um, I want to, it reminds me of church. I'm so sorry. I'll bring church into every conversation I can have. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, a man might say, I'm, a woman, I'm, I'm going to get saved, but I'm going to get my life straight before I do that, before I start getting to church. Well, you, you don't get cleaned up before you take a bath. And to, if you want to get a mortgage and you thought about getting a mortgage, you, you're, everyone's individual situation is so different, so intricately different. And so a 90-second conversation with me will set you on the path of, I can do this right now. Yeah. I can do this three months from now. Um, or I may have, maybe I have to wait six months from now. But it's so easy for me to just have a brief conversation and help a person with that. What we're looking for, though, I mean, I, I get the question. I'm sorry. Uh, the question is: Is do you, do we do you work? Um, if you don't, th- whatever state your credit is in, you need to to speak with me before you clean up. You need before you clean up to take a bath. Talk to me, and I'll I'll get you there with so the right targets. Maybe even some action items. Here's the best way to approach. Exactly. Perfect. It yeah. actually seems that that'll save a lot of time as mm-hmm. well because we always think we have to prepare for something that we don't need to. We can have a 90 minute or 90 second conversation with mm-hmm. you, but how how do I get in touch with you though? Oh yeah. Mm. You can uh, call, text or email or you can go to Facebook. You can do any number of ways to get to me. 404 Six seven three nine five zero three. It's my phone number. Um, for those folks that uh, want to use the internet, get to me. Uh, the easiest one is J A Y. My first name J, and then a hyphen. It's like a dash, and then an abbreviation for mortgage. M is in Mary. T is in Tom. G is in Golf. Dot com. J-mortgage.com. J-mtg.com is an abbreviation. MTG, right. Okay, perfect. So I got another question. You're, you're in an industry that has, it's not always just a linear upward slope, smooth sailing. There's ups and downs, market market cycles. What's the biggest lesson, Jay, you've learned over this period? You've been doing this a long time. Yes, I have, yeah. Oh, boy, the biggest lesson is never, well, I'm, I'm a... Um, I love to play it safe, and so I never underestimate what could happen when it comes to interest rates, hmm. and especially as they get squashed down lower and lower. So biggest lesson that I've learned is to see people that would say, wow, rates are really low. I want to wait and see what they do. As, they ra- as the rates get lower and closer to zero, it's like a spring. And it's harder for them to get squashed down lower, but it's real easy for them to bounce up a little bit. So that's a, that's a big lesson to learn is that if I, and, and also that in today's market for the last 10 plus years, the minor differences between the three and a half percent interest rate and even as high as 5% that we've seen in our market doesn't really affect what your buying power is, what the emotional part of it is. When you're ready to buy a house, when you're ready to step up or step down or do something different, that's when it's time. It has nothing to do with the market. I'm sure you, Bo, you can attest to that. Mm-hmm. When someone, it, it, the market will never drive what you really 
want to do or should do, it'll just kind of block you sometimes yeah. from T- moving forward. Timing the market is literally based on luck. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Well, Jay, I have to ask this as we're kind of winding down. I know you have a catchphrase. Oh, I do. So I let's do. let's share that with our listeners. Anytime somebody says they want to buy a house, they are already pre-qualified for me to call them. I snuck it in a while ago, but that's the truth. It does not matter. I want to buy a house, but please just remember you see me nodding my head and saying, yeah, I think I can help you with that because I really can. There's, there's no, there's no lost causes. There's no, um, no reason for us to not have a 90 second conversation and find out where we are and how we can move forward. So if that's coming up, Jay, one more time, the website and the phone number. Okay. Uh, my website is J-A-Y dash, that's the one that's close to the nine button, dash, M is in Mary, T is in Tom, G is in golf.com. And you can phone me by 404-673-9503. Jay Millwood with Homestar Financial Corporation. Thanks so much for being on North Georgia Business Radio X today. I enjoyed I'm excited. it. I love this place. Rich Bartolotta, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your expertise with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoy. It's been another fun day. Learned some great stuff, some tips, some catchphrases. Some catchphrases. I'm ready to go to Japan. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you what. That no. sounds like a... Going, what a and I'm going to do it as a learning experience. That's <laughs> Absolutely. The only reason. Phenomenal show today. Wonderful. Well, well, listeners, I appreciate you so much. And again, we'll be here next week highlighting our local businesses and the people behind them right here on North Georgia Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.